March 3rd, 1975. As it happens. Next scheduled news at 11 o'clock over WOR, Radio 710, The Talk of New York. of the population of greater New York is made up of. However, uh, the ingrates out there, that's that's an interesting uh, nationality, though. You know, I especially like their folk songs. Um, But, uh, yes, uh, you mean you've never met anybody from Ingratia? Which is the name of their country. Nice little Baltic country. Yes, uh, they have a good summer, but terrible winter, you know. 115 degrees below zero at all times. However, uh, we don't want to get into this. Uh, I don't want to malign any group. Uh, I would say this, however, that uh, there are certain words that I, I like to bring to your attention. Do they still have... No, they don't. No, no. No, no. Uh, have you noticed the disappearance of the... Uh, of the... Uh, of the cancellation sign on letters? You haven't noticed. See, there are a lot of sneaky things happening to your life. You know what a cancellation is. You know, the mark on it, like that, bam. I, half the letters I get today have uncanceled stamps on them. <laughs> that, that's a, in a way, that's kind of good news. You know, you just uh, steam it off and send it back to Cleveland. You know, and maybe make five or six round trips before they finally get around to canceling it. Uh, but uh, I've seen from many of And another thing, too, do you remember the cancellation, uh, uh, the little cancellation marks, the postmarks that would say uh, Rabbit Hash, Kentucky, 4 p.m.? 
that kind of stuff. They don't have that anymore, do they? You don't know where a letter comes from any longer. You know, uh, most letters that I get today have some kind of little ad on them, like it says, "A color TV is better for you." Uh, <laughs> something like this: uh, "Buy our ham hocks." It's stamped like that. Uh, in fact, I'm thinking of getting an automatic stamp, a cancellation stamp, you know, the kind that has a little a little promo for yourself on it, you know. Art Pompeian is really a terrific person. It says on it, you know, a little picture, a little bar relief underneath it. It says, Our Benefactor. Uh, <laughs> sure, why not? This is the age of the total ego, for crying out loud. You might as well buy a one-minute spot on the air, tell people how great you are. Are you ready to sign autographs anytime you want? Sure. I mean, radio is not that expensive. You can get a, take out a nice ad in the Village Voice in the back there. You know, uh, give, hire yourself an agency to promote you. Why not? I mean, they promote pickles and uh, dried snails and uh, bad automobiles. Why not you? Heaven's sakes, uh, this is an age when you got to promote yourself. And uh, before we go any further, I would like to uh, I would like to uh, point out that tonight's program is not necessarily in good taste, uh, as uh, so much of our life is these days. Uh, I'd like to say that it is, but it, uh, it really isn't. Uh, uh, I'm, not, I'm not apologizing for it. After all, I'm merely a child of our time. And uh, as such, uh, I'm a child of our time. One does not... Have you noticed how many announcers have trouble on TV commercials saying the word 20? Uh, just watch it sometimes. You'll say, they say 20. 20 is constantly. Uh, Anita O'Brien, Anita Bryant, is that her name? Anita Bryant, that very loud singer that keeps talking about orange juice. She calls it orange juice. Uh, what she also does is say hundred. Uh, that's one of her little things, hundred. Uh, yes, uh, hundreds of people, uh, often 20 or more, uh, will, uh, will buy orange juice. <laughs> oh, well, uh, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Uh, I have... You gotta learn to blow your own horn. You really do, friend. And uh, the problem with most people is that they ain't got no horn to blow. Uh, you've been told over the years to blow it. It turns out you don't have any. Uh, but here's a guy. Let's let's hear a little horn blowing here. This uh, a typical friend of mine sitting at the bar, the OPC, the Overseas Press Club, blowing his own horn. Uh, this is uh, incidentally a symbolic recording of a casual bar conversation of three ad men sitting around blowing their own horns. They're talking about how great things are. DVD and O, YNR, JNL, LBD and Q, the LNM, the Rock Island Road, any place. It's great. Things are great. Fantastic account. Come on, sing it out, boys. Hold it, hold it, hold it. That's the bartender taking the orders. Hold it there. See what you do to me every time I work with you, Art. It goes to hell quick. It's looking into your foggy eyes that does it, Art. It does. It's that it's that Fu Manchu mustache. And by the way, that is not a Fu Manchu mustache. And and there has never been yet, uh, to my knowledge, a true Fu Manchu mustache that has been worn popularly. Uh, the only reason that uh, people think this is so, you know, that there is a Fu Manchu, is that they don't know what a Fu Manchu mustache is. They think any mustache that's, that droops is a Fu Manchu mustache. Not so. A Fu Manchu mustache 
is a very difficult thing to grow. I might also add it's a difficult thing to get away with once you've grown it. You know what a Fu Manchu mustache is? It is a mustache that has, that is, first of all, it's very thin, almost razor thin. Maybe it's, maybe it consists only of about, oh, I'd say six or seven hairs on each side, period. You know, like two halves of a mustache. But the thing about a Fu Manchu mustache is that it droops all the way down, almost to your waist. Those very thin hairs. That is a Fu Manchu. But what is the most dramatic thing that Fu Manchu grew? And where the list takes off in this town? That's going to be something, boy. Well, Fu Manchu not only had that fantastic mustache that hung almost down to his waist. By the way, he wore a dark green brocaded symbolic robe or kimono type robe Chinese with the high collar but it was dark green and it had symbolic uh, uh, forms calligraphic forms brocaded into it in rare metals this is the way Fu lived um, some of the metals were reputed to be rare forms of radium how do you like that boy and uh, as Fu Manchu sat on his throne he, the first thing that struck the visitor to Fu Manchu's inner sanctum was one, he had these incredibly high cheekbones, but he had skin that was like ancient, aged, very ancient, uh, weathered, magnificent parchment. He was ageless. Fu Manchu could very well have been a thousand years old. What was there about his eyes? He had something very spectacular about his eyes. Don't say they were they were slanted and narrow. No, 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 no. What were the first things you noticed about his eyes? Well, I'll tell you what they were. He had he had curious irises. His eyes had the same kind of irises that a snake's eyes have. You know what? They'd close vertically like this, and a film would go over his eye. What do they call that? Come on. That there's, a, there's a term in biology where uh, certain types of creatures, snakes, usually cold-blooded creatures, have this film that goes over the eye. He had that. <laughs> how's, that for a, how's that for a parlor trick, man? You try that down at the chock full of nuts on the waitress, and I'll tell you, the film comes over your eye, and ah! That you finger your fool. <laughs> That's right. Now, what else did he have, though? Even more importantly... What was the first? That's correct. Art knows he had five, seven, eight, nine, ten-inch long fingernails that were so long that they curled in the ancient Mandarin fashion. Now, why was this so? Why did the, what was the what was the Mandarin fashion about this? Well, because this showed that he was a member of the truly upper class who did not do any form of manual labor. You could not do any form of manual labor and have these long, curling, uh, magnificent fingernails that curled and looped. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, can you imagine showing up uh, showing up at the agency after you've taken your, your uh, three-week vacation, you got this fantastic bunch of your long, curling fingernails? Then that would show that you're truly an executive. 
You don't spend your time down there, you know, mailing letters and carrying stuff around to Mr. Bullard's office. No way. And <laughs> well, all right. Now, I don't know why I'm bringing all this out tonight except to say to you that there's other styles of living. And if you're looking for an alternative lifestyle, what was Fu Manchu's hobby? Well, I'll tell you. He, he grew, he grew man-eating fungi. Yes, a rare form of, uh, of a mushroom that was man-eating. Can you imagine getting eaten by a mushroom? Oh, wow. By a toadstool? Even worse, he had these man-eating fungies. Now, his, his, uh, his full title was Dr. Fu Manchu. I will award a brass figgy with a bronze oak leaf palm to any of you out there who can tell me in what field did he take his doctorate. I'll give you a clue. It, he was not an MD. What was his doctorate in? And I'll even give you further uh, further awards if you can tell me where he took his undergraduate training. I'll give you a clue. It was a Big Ten University. Now that throws you. Can't you just see uh, uh, the the young fool, uh, you know, as he, he's working towards his B.A. or his B.S., this young fool sitting out there at the Northwestern Ohio State ball game, and he's wearing an Ohio State beanie. And <laughs> this is before his dreams of world domination had finally coalesced. Uh, and, uh, you know, he went on to become the fantastic character he was. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you another question here. If you want to, you guys, you, you know, you guys all talk, talk like you, you really know about trivia, right? A lot of you people really believe you do. Who played Dr. Fu Manchu in the movies? He was, you know, there, there was a series of Dr. Fu Manchu movies. And black and white, fantastic. They never put them on anymore. I mean, you know, for fear of picketing and everything else. But uh, <laughs> where, 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 who, who, who played him? I'll give you another question. Who played C. Nalen Smith, who was Dr. Fu Manchu's nemesis? And what was the name? Did you know that, that uh, Dr. Manchu had, uh, had a family? Of course, he was a family man. And uh, who, uh, is anybody out there can give me the name of his daughter? who played a very prominent role in several of the great Dr. Fu Manchu adventures. What was the name of his daughter? He did not have a son. He did have a daughter, however. And we'll, uh, we'll ask you uh, one more interesting question here. What was his wife's maiden name? Oh, this is truly arcane knowledge. And speaking of the arcane, this is WOR, New York. And... Uh, Arthur, please, uh, do, the, do the honors, please. This is Mike Nerdlander with another in-depth radio interview. My guest today is one of Broadway's most colorful characters. Well, sir, who are you? Big Sal. Big what? Big Sal. Don't you see the big S on my sweatshirt? Big Sal, what is it you do here on Broadway? I'm a bouncer at the Eugene O'Neill Theater, 49th Street in Broadway. Now, just a moment, sir. Big Sal, you are a bouncer at the legitimate theater, the Eugene O'Neill, where the new Neil Simon play, God's Favorite, is rocking the audiences. That's right. Anybody that doesn't laugh, I'm supposed to throw them out. The trouble is that everybody laughs. Oh. So I got nothing to do. Oh, who's in the play, sir? Oh, uh, the guy from Match Game. What's his name? Oh, Charles Nelson Ryan. Yeah. And Maria Canova. Yes. Right. These, and Vincent Gardini. Right. The guy from All in the Family. Wonderful. That you used to have a harder job than this? Well, I used to work at Big Shirley's Bar and Grill. Hi, Shirley. A lot of action there, I bet. Oh, 
boy. Did you ever think you found someone that didn't laugh? Big yeah, time? I thought I had one once, some broad. She wasn't laughing. But then it turned out that she had a double-impact wisdom, too. Oh. You want to come and see the show? Well, I'm not a good laugher. I'm in the news business. I'm very serious. I you probably... don't laugh? No. Come on over. I'll break your mouth. And then throw me roughly onto 8th Avenue? Yeah. Oh. Hey, you want a sample? Oh, 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 dear. You're lovely. What was all that about? That got past me there. <laughs> Well, of course, when you, you get those fast hoppers like that when you're not watching, you'll probably get them in the teeth. It uh, works like that. Especially, you know, you learn these things when you're an infielder. I, uh, as an ex-third baseman, uh, I'm used to suddenly uh, uh, it's all gone past me uh, before you even know that it started. Yeah, you, oh, yes. Listen, uh, uh, I uh, one of the most embarrassing moments I ever had as a, as a third baseman. Of course, every, every infielder's had bad moments. In fact, every ball player, ex-ball player, he can look back on uh, some bad moments. And uh, one of the bad moments that I had one time, I said, you know, playing third base there, and uh, there was this uh, left-handed hitter up. Well, you know, left-handed hitters generally uh, pull the ball down, uh, right down the right field line, you know, right down over first base. See, so I was playing a little bit uh, towards the shortstop side of third base, see, and I was ready. Uh, but I wasn't really worrying about the hitter. I was worrying about the guy that was on second. See, he, I figured he was going to break. Well, I'm uh, I'm lurking around down there on third base. But unfortunately, have you ever noticed? You you have this. I know Art many times when your head goes out to lunch, and it, it's something you can't do anything about. You're, you're standing around, and all of a sudden, your head is gone. Your feet are still there, you know, and your ears are still walking around, but your head is gone. You ever had that situation? Now, uh, some people uh, don't know that they've had that situation because they've never had their head. There's a lot of people who uh, whose head has never even started. You know that what you you've seen? Uh, no, no. There's somebody sneaking in. You've seen the uh, well, you you know when a, when a young newborn baby, you know when a baby is born, you see the doctor whack him on the bottom. You know, ah, he yells. You've seen that? Okay. Well, not everything starts. Uh, sometimes you know, the heart stops, it starts, and the, the, the lungs start going. But if that guy doesn't whack you in the right place when you're born and give you a real jolt, your head doesn't start. You know, your head is just like everything else. You know, it's got to get started. It's like a clock. You buy a clock, and uh, you, you, you crank it up, and uh, it doesn't start right there. You wiggle it a little bit, and it goes, right? Well, you could just as well crank this damn thing up, and it never starts, right? Well... There's lots of people that I know whose head never started. So they wouldn't know when their head is out to lunch. You know, they, they just don't know. So they figure everybody's got that, that Venetian blind stuck in their mind with the fog coming in all the time. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I know one guy, one friend of mine, who all of a sudden one day woke up one morning and he went, went, uh, went down to the uh, Needix, you know, to have his usual breakfast. The orange drink and the hot dog, which is what he lived on. He'd have the orange drink and a hot dog, and he had the coffee, and uh, he'd pick up a copy of the of the morning paper there, you know. And uh, he's he's standing down there, and all of a sudden he, he he's he's reading the paper, see, and he's going along there fine. He suddenly hit, he was hit by a terrible thought. It just hit him right there in at Needix. He's right there in Grand Central. There he's scoffing away with a hot dog. For one brief instant, he forgot who he was. Then he said, oh, hell, I know I am, you know, uh, Stanley Kluberman, of course. And uh, that's silly. What am I thinking of here? And uh, he's looking at this article, you know, Axe Slay 6 in Brooklyn apartment. And 
He's looking at it, and all of a sudden it hit him. He forgot how to read. Yeah, and, and uh, then he, he caught on right away. You know, he started to read. Everything was okay. For one brief instant, he forgot how to read. He's looking at the lines there. He said, what the hell? What, what is this? this uh, he, he couldn't recognize a P or an L uh, or, or an H or an E. He, he forgot how to read. So uh, put the paper down. He was a little staggered by this, and he drank the rest of his orange drink, and, and they figured maybe... Uh, Maybe he needs a little fortification. So he hollered the guy, uh, make it another one, another one of them dogs. And the guy brought it over, and he says, uh, with the regular on it, sir? And he couldn't remember what the regular was. He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the guy says, okay. So he brings him the hot dog, and it's got the sauerkraut hanging out of it. Now, not every guy eats sauerkraut in the morning with his hot dog, see? So that was his one concession to the morning. He didn't put sauerkraut on it in the morning. He put sauerkraut on it at lunch, see? At dinner, he had sauerkraut, too. But the morning, it was morning, so he didn't know. So he's eating the sauerkraut, and he starts to go on down to work. And he's halfway to work, and he's walking along. He wor he wor came in on the Grand Central scene. He's walking uh, west, and he's uh, chugging along 44th Street there. Everything's fine, and he chugs over. You know, he goes past Fifth Avenue, and he's making his way over there, and he crosses Sixth Avenue. He's going west, and he gets on the west side of Sixth Avenue. You know, on 44th Street, you know where that is. He's chugging along there, and all of a sudden, he, 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 he forgot where he worked. What the hell is this? Oh, yes, of course, the Acme Clothespin Corporation. And he turned around, and he went back up town, and, you know, he went over towards 40th Street, and next thing you know, he's sitting at his desk there with the clothespins. And, uh, by the way, that's an exciting world. Yeah, he, he uh, one time gave me a beautiful brochure called The Romance of the Clothespin, and, uh... You know, it was one of these promo things on uh, on how the clothespin world is so exciting. It is, you know, really exciting. And uh, you may not know that in this town, I hope I don't uh, disturb you when I tell you this, in this town, one of the major industries is what they call promotional brochures and films. You know this. Have you known this? Well, you, oh, now, wait a minute, friends. When you get all this junk mail in the mail which is all you generally get is junk mail, right? When you get all this junk mail in the mail, there's a company that makes that stuff. I mean, it has nothing to do with the company they're advertising. It's called junk mail. You know, it's just a, you know, some, uh, the romance of a coin collection. Uh, you've gotten that one, haven't you? Of course you have. Yes, a special set of uh, Benjamin Franklin commemorative coins have been struck. And now you, among only seven other people in the United States, are now going to be allowed to buy these things. $7,000 a set. They're going to make a wonderful family heirloom. <laughs> Can you imagine when you finally go to your great, your great reward and all you leave is a commemorative set of Benjamin Franklin coins? And say, what the hell was it? What was he thinking of that nut? Yeah. Left an Atwater Kent radio in working condition and a set of Benjamin Franklin silver coins. Now, what are we going to do, huh? How are we going to divide this? Now, I don't care what you say, Esther. You're not going to get all of it. I'm getting the power supply from that, that water can't You can have the speaker, but the hell with you. I'm going to keep the power supply. You know, it's just going to get to be a mess. So be careful what you leave behind, friend. You don't want to cause litigation for 100 years. However, uh, this friend of mine, I'll tell you what Stanley did then. He, uh, he, you know, he was, he was writing the promotional copy for a brochure entitled The Romance of the Clothespin. Well, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to confess something to you, that it, at times when I first came to this town, I lent my talents on several uh, occasions due to lack of scratch 
I, I lent my talents to several dubious enterprises. Like one time, I narrated a film. It was a 45-minute promotional film that was commemorating the retirement of the president of a company that made galvanized zinc garbage cans. And it, oh, it was a fantastic film. Uh, they tried to get Robert Redford to play him in it, you know, but uh, they had to settle for this little short fat guy that they got out of central casting, who, by the way, looked a hell of a lot like the original guy, had the same kind of cheesecake mind. But uh, nevertheless, it came out with this tremendous... They used all public uh, public domain music. It opened up with, with the Coda movement from Beethoven's Third Symphony. And uh, give me a little echo chamber. Hello, hello. I opened up, I came on with this music scene. There was a tremendous scene where it showed it showed a, a, an overview of New York, which they took out of stock footage. Have you ever seen any of these promo material films? They're great. I don't mean a film that is, uh, say, to promote uh, uh, General Tires or something like that. I'm talking about personal promotion. Very few people have seen these. <laughs> well, the scene opened up with a shot of New York. Now, this was taken out of stock footage. Any one of 500 uh, Class B movies uh, open up with a shot, you know, the, the, the classic shot of the New York skyline. And behind this was the sound of the coda, the, the, uh, the second movement of Beethoven's Third Symphony. Boy, you figured at least, you know, we're going to see the saga of the early Dutch settlers coming to New York, something like that, see? And uh, on cue, after this built, you know, this plane you're in, whatever it is, you're flying over New York, and you see all the busy streets. Down below, you see scurrying millions like ants. You see great ocean liners pulling in down on the piers. You see the great spires of Manhattan shining in the beautiful sun. And, uh, you know, there's a great movement of music behind. And then on I came, and I said, the lifetime of Charles W. Guberman. God, it was exciting. And and it opened up, it says, in a little loft just off 14th Street on New York's west side, 722 years ago, a man entered his first office with a dream. It was Charles W. Guberman. And it shows this guy walking into this loft. He was the guy that dreamed of the idea of making the galvanized garbage can, see? He built it into a company that had over $40 a month annual sales. But uh, uh, <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that goes on in this town. It's a great business in this town. And, and so today, you know, it's very difficult to know what to give a retiring executive. I mean... Uh, I mean, so many guys, you know, have got old Agnew watches around that are a prized possession. Does anybody out there still has this Agnew watch? Huh? No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> you remember the Agnew watches? Yeah, that's going to be a priceless collector's item shortly. I don't know why, but it will be. You know, speaking of priceless collector's items, before we go any further, let's do a couple of these commercials, and then we'll get on to that, please. How would you like to cruise on the World Cruise Liner Vista Fjord this spring when the Caribbean is at its loveliest? And get a 50% refund on your round-trip coach airfare to Port Everglades, Florida in the bargain? You can. Norwegian America Line has scheduled three additional Vista Fjord Caribbean cruises. 
for two weeks to eight ports on April 12th or April 26th, or for one week to three ports on May 10th. You can also join the first cruise in New York on April 10th and get the return airfare to your hometown entirely free. Enjoy the warm welcome of the Vistacure's attractive European crew and ask your travel agent about our airfare refund offer or call Norwegian America Line to 12-944-6900. The Vistafjord is registered in Norway with over half a century of world cruise experience behind it. Vistafjord, welcome aboard. We're sure, we're sure, we're sure at Shopwell. Have we got a beef? Sure, we've got a beef of the tender, tasty, juicy beef Shopwell's so famous for. Shopwell's fantastic quali-fed beef, sirloin steaks, shells of beef, chuck steak, rib roast, fresh ground beef, even filet mignon. All your favorite cuts, all USDA choice beef, and all priced to help you get more while you spend less at Shopwell. You're going to love Shopwell's beef. Am I sure? You can count on it. Shopwell's unconditional guarantee guarantees it. Hey, Niblet's Colonel Corn, 12 ounce can, three for a dollar. You remember the old Colonel, don't you? Sure, he's a great guy. That's a sensual commercial. All that belly dancing going on is fantastic. Shopping for Hers Potato Chips and Snack Foods is a family affair. Because Hers has something for everyone. Potato chips, pretzels, corn chips. Everybody finds a favorite. Hers Potato Chips taste better because they're made naturally with no preservatives added. Hers Potato Chips are country fresh and packaged to stay that way when you get them home. Easy to open, serve, and reseal. Hers, good things from the country. Oh, gee, that was exciting. Here's good news. Potato chips. Yeah. Do you know that you can now get potato chip ice cream? People are so freaked out on potato chips. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a whole potato chip cult. Well, you're one of them, right? You can get that. Whatever happened to the popcorn cult that was going around here? Still going? Hmm. Well, friends, it's March, which means that it's time for everybody to stop thinking winter gray and start turning our city green. So this week, New York Magazine devotees, oh, excuse me, devotes almost an entire issue to its annual city gardening guide. And, uh, well, they tell you how to do all these great things, uh, like uh, grow begonias, orchids, African violets, cacti, or ferns. Listen, with the way it's going, what they ought to do is start giving you instructions on how to grow carrots, right? <laughs> I mean, man, who can eat a begonia? Unless, you know, unless you're a chic uh, east-side uh, limousine liberal, you probably can have begonia soup, a little cacti salad. But uh, nevertheless, uh, uh, this, is, uh, this is the issue that they're, they're pushing right now. It's their new spring gardening issue. Help turn our city from gray to green. <laughs> and maybe make some green for yourself. Turn a little buck, you know. Well, if you grow the right things, you can turn a buck. But look out, you'll probably get busted, too. But, uh, you know, you have to take it. Nothing comes easy, friend. No, sir. All right. Speaking of paying, you're paying. Hit it.
That's right. One, two, three, four. It's a Did you hear that? union of all good things. Grand union. For crying out loud. Grand union this spring. We're getting the cues and everything on this spot. Bring us back the good things. Oh, yes, it's, it's grand, grand union. Of all Did you hear that? Grand union. All right, let's take it back to number 14. Come on, let's start. Let's hit it better. You guys, when you have a terrible malocclusion, playing a, playing a flute is not the easiest thing in the world. So he, you know what he wound up doing with the flute? It's 700 bills. 700 bucks for the flute. He wound up repairing the sink one day with it. USDA Choice Beef Loin Full Cut Sirloin Steak, $1.29 a pound. Dairy bargains like Grand Union Orange Juice, half gallon, 39 cents. Frozen food bargains like Banquet Frozen Dinners, 11-ounce package, 45 cents. Plus even more bargains, plus money-saving coupons. It's a grand union of Grand union. Gee, that's a lovely spot. Hey, can I hear that guy giving... Uh, I want to hear that again when you get it set up in there, Art. Uh, Art, uh, you, can you imagine the scene now? You're in this vast recording studio on the east side, and $7,000 worth of talent is assembled, $12 million worth of talent, the band, the orchestra, and the whole bit, and here is the account executive himself beating it out. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Very good. I wonder if he's got an after card. It probably has. So, you know, uh, hey, uh, can I... Uh, I've got something great here, if I may. Uh, the other day I was on the air here uh, doing this thing, and I was talking about how one day uh, uh, TV guides would be great collector's items. You recall that bit? Well, once again, Shepard does it. Uh, it's already happened. Did you know that? I have received a catalog. This is an official print catalog of what various types of uh, of uh, articles uh, today in the collector's item world go for. For example, for example, 1953 TV guides number three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten uh, issue number ten. This is a 1953 TV guides go for seven dollars a copy. Okay. Now, uh, 19, uh, the, the, that, that doesn't mean that all 1953 uh, TV guides go for that because uh, 11, 13, 15, 16, 19 through 21, these are various other 1953 issues, go for $6 or $1 less. Now, uh, if you'd like to really make some dough, 1971 through 1974 fall preview issues go for 13 bucks each. <laughs> I mean, who the hell wants this junk? But uh, there, uh, as, as uh, who was it uh, said that there's one born every minute? Was that, uh, who was it who said that? Uh, uh, was it uh, John Chancellor? Uh, I mean, it must have been some deep thinker of our time. Bill Butel? Very deep thinker. Uh, however, uh, for those of you who are interested in, in various other bits of uh, impedimentia and what it's worth, you know that you can you can buy, according to this catalog, now this is a catalog listings, PEP cereal buttons from the early 1940s. Did you know that PEP gave away cereal buttons in the early 1940s that had uh, comic strip characters on them? For example, Fat Stuff. How many of you remember who Fat Stuff was? Well, Fat Stuff was a character in a Smiling Jack cartoon. And he was always standing there with a button flying off. Yeah, that's right. 
fat stuff. Uh, Mamie, do you know who Mamie was in the cartoons? How about Goofy? Chester Gump. Do you recall Chester Gump? Uncle Walt? Wilmer? Uh, Winnie Winkle? Ma Winkle. You can get Winnie Winkle's mother. Uh, <laughs> anyway, all these characters, hundreds of characters, Rip Van Winkle, Rip Winkle, Harold Teen, Smokey Stover, the fire chief, uh, these are all two bucks a shot. However, there are several rarities in this. If you can get yourself a Daddy Warbucks pin, that's four bucks. That's double the price. Um, for some curious reason, uh, Little Orphan Annie is two dollars, however, Sandy is four. I, you know, it's that dog freak business that's going on today. You know, the pet world that's getting out of hand. Uh, Don Winslow is also a $4 item, if you'd like a Don Winslow pin. Now, uh, for those of you who are interested in this world, did you know that uh, that there was a... Uh, it is now available through the catalog an official Lone Ranger first aid kit. Still has most of the contents. It's a 1938 first aid kit on an illustrated box, which is a little rusty, it says. This goes for 40 bucks. Now, I don't know whether the Mercurochrome is still good in it, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the tweezers to pull silver bullets out of your gut. Uh, maybe that's good. Now, uh, here, are, here are some other things. Did you know that uh, you can get a uh, Captain Midnight secret compartment ring? Guaranteed to turn not only your finger green, but also probably even the bone in the finger and probably even your liver. Captain Midnight secret compartment ring is 55 bucks. However, no secrets are contained in the ring. You'll have to put your own secrets in there. Uh, you can get yourself a Lone Ranger atomic bomb ring. Now, that's a goodie. I, I uh, one time had a Lone Ranger atomic bomb ring, and uh, this is a ring. No, you look at through the, you look at, there's a little hole in the side. You look in there, see, and you see these little uh, glowing things. What it is is little tiny flecks of radium, you know, the kind of stuff they put on it. Of course, un unfortunately, it also causes instant death if you wear it too long. You know, radium poisoning and all that stuff. But uh, this is a great little uh, ring, and it's 30 bucks, that ring, if you'd like that. How would you like to get a straight arrow face ring? You recall straight arrow? He's in the comic book, straight arrow. You always thought that was Pat Boone, right? Well, there was, a, there was an outfit called straight arrow, and uh, it was a comic strip. It wouldn't make it today, I mean, obviously. But uh, nevertheless, straight arrow face ring is $25. You can get a Dick Tracy secret compartment ring, especially designed for trapping crooks. Now, uh, how much is that? You can trap a crook in your neighborhood with this. This thing instantly, you know, a little whistle goes off when you're around a mafia member. And it'll probably get you in a hell of a lot of trouble if that whistle goes off too loud. You know, they'll be getting one between the eyes. But this is a $50 item, so don't laugh. Uh, you can get a Roger Wilco Magna Ray ring in the original box and order form. So you can refill your Magna Ray ring. That's $30. Do you want to hear some more of this stuff? Howdy Doody items are going pretty good. For example, you can get a Wonder Walking toy in box. A Howdy Doody Wonder Walking toy for 12 bucks. Uh, the famous uh, Howdy Doody Christmas Party album, which is two records, 1951 illustrated. It includes even the, what was the name of the Indian girl that was killed? Right, that's right. Now, that's $30. And uh, all this stuff runs about that. Uh, 
Here, for example, is a Captain Midnight Trick and Riddle book, 1939. How much is that? That's a $40 item. Uh, let's see. Anything to do with uh, uh, Orphan Annie, Radio Orphan Annie, is very expensive. As a matter of fact, I am one of the few guys that you have ever run into that owns an actual, and this is the real thing, an Orphan Annie Ovaltine, not shake-up mug, which was very, very common. And they was, those were made out of plastic, in case you're interested. Had an orange top on it. Those were plastic. But a, a an, an, an Ovaltine Orphan Annie ceramic mug. Now, that was a rare item. First of all, rare because ceramic breaks. <laughs> this was a real mug, you know, ceramic. And I have one. And on one side, it shows Orphan Annie saying some little bit of uh, wisdom like, gee, Sandy, isn't Ovaltine great for you? And uh, Sandy is saying what? That's right. Sandy was very laconic. He did not want to go on record. But uh, Sandy, uh, Sandy maintained ARF. And uh, there it is. It's a beautiful, and it's in color. <laughs> now, I don't know what that's worth on a collector's market, but uh, a pretty penny. And it's in working condition. It's uh, not been repaired. It's really great. Original condition. Now, here, for example, uh, here's, some, here's some really interesting stuff. Uh, you want to see some more of this? Are you interested in this? All right. How about a uh, Superman jet plane uh, ring with plane? Yeah, there's a little plane. What happens? You swing this ring around. I remember this thing. You swing a ring around, and it's got like a little string in it. That It's a rubber string. Actually, a little plane comes off, and you swing it around. A little jet plane flies around. That would really cause a lot of excitement, you know, at the Four Seasons. When you're sitting there, all of a sudden you start whipping your jet plane ring around. Uh, you can do that for 25 bucks. It's, it's uh, reasonable, you know. Uh, how about a, a, a Terry and the Pirate's Golden Nose Ring? Well, you know, he lived in a pretty primitive world, Terry and the Pirates. You know, you can get a nose ring. It's kind of nice. It's got Terry on there. And uh, <laughs> that's a $25 item. Now, uh, let's see what else we have here that you may like. Uh, how about uh, Superman of America silk embroidered felt patch? Superman of America. That was. Uh, did you know that Superman in his very earliest days was not simply called Superman? Did you know that? You didn't know that. Well, he was originally called Superman of America. And uh, that he, he, his, his uniform was red, white, and blue, as you know. It had big S, and that's how he became known as Superman of America. And Superman actually started during World War II, and he was always beating the bad guys. You know, he was uh, leveling all the Nazis that were always cackling, you know, and wearing monocles. And uh, he was really popping them. Now, you, I'll, I'll talk about that. You want to hear a really great piece of collector's item? A petrified powerhouse candy bar. Would you like to have an actual candy bar, a powerhouse candy bar, that was found behind an actual 1943 daybed in the in the <laughs> Oak Ridge section of Brooklyn? A classic one. Even has teeth marks in it from an actual kid that bit it. Uh, so. <laughs> Well, yeah, you could get these things. I'm sorry, Art. Have you had the feeling, Art, like I had the feeling that everything is getting absolutely out of hand? It's madness. I, I, uh, I'm making a prediction, though, that if this, uh, if this uh, 
recession continues, the bottom is going to drop out of this market. Yes, it will. It'll have to. Only people with a lot of scratch are willing to pay $2,500 for one, uh, you know, for one uh, comic book. You know that you can also get, uh, if you want, you can get the Superman secret code book. Now, that's not really a very old item. That was 1958. See, so, you know, that's kind of a Johnny-come-lately uh, bit, but that's still $12. Uh, you know, <laughs> don't laugh at it, friends. If you have a half a dozen of them in the basement, they may pay your rent this month. Uh, how about, uh, there's plenty, there's, you know, there's a whole collection of Tom X stuff. You know that you can get a Tom X postal telegraph signal set that actually works in its original mailing box? Tom X postal. And that's an expensive little bit. That's $115. Bucks. Oh, yeah, you can send the... Uh, you can get a Whistling Comic Sheriff badge. I, I think this would be kind of nice. Did you know that you could get, uh, at one time, uh, in the uh, in the Ralston boxes, they gave away comic bandanas that you could wear around your neck? You can get a comic bandana that is in uh, mint condition. And that's not cheap. I don't even want to tell you what that goes for. <laughs> I don't even want to tell you. Although you would cause quite a stir in your neighborhood by coming out with your comics Ralston bandana. Carelessly, uh, you know, laid across your Adam's apple there, the way Tom looked. What was the name of Comics? Comics is voice. Well, what's his name? Chipper? <laughs> Trigger. No, come on, what was the name of his horse? Well, anyway, you can get a Tom Mix, the name of his horse, ring, an actual horseshoe ring. Uh, that's another expensive one. Uh, speaking of expenses, this is WOR New York. Stay tuned for In Conversation.